Therefore, let the entire house of Israel and the entire house of First Lutheran and Sioux Falls and North and South Dakota, Minnesota, Iowa, and Nebraska, may you all know with certainty that this Jesus, whom you crucified, God made him both Lord and Messiah. So now you need not fear your sin and you need not fear your death or even the end of the world. For Christ is now your Lord and your Messiah. And though you have been trusting all sorts of things other than God and his word this past week, now God has seen fit to bring complete forgiveness to you, which means you have his grace and his peace in a way that can't be taken away. You are forgiven, and this inheritance is now yours in Christ. Amen. Well, besides hearing again the last sentence of Peter's Pentecost sermon, we heard a bit of it last week, and then this week the amazing work of the Holy Spirit, bringing over 3,000 people and families to salvation through Christ that day, we are blessed today also to hear Luke's telling of the rest of the story of Easter Day. Now, you recall last week we heard from John how that night, Easter Sunday night, the disciples were huddled together in fear, the door locked, and Jesus shows up and gives them the keys to the whole kingdom, and then eventually Thomas too. Well, this week we hear from Luke of the two disciples, two other disciples walking from Jerusalem to Emmaus that very same night, and they were full of fear and confusion as well. Even though the women had found the tomb empty and had heard the sermon from the angel and they shared this, these disciples were full of fear. They were confused. They couldn't figure it out. And isn't often that our first problem when it comes to faith, that we think we need to have it figured out in our head, to get our heads wrapped around it, to get it under our control. But God's word in the gospel is not so easily corralled. It does not finally make sense outside of the work of the Holy Spirit. And God does not wait for us to figure it all out, which is a good thing. Instead, he lets us follow our roads, whether they be to Emmaus or elsewhere, or sometimes we call them our journeys, which never result in the gospel, at least not on account of our own work. But God then puts an end to them, to our roads, to our journeys, and frees us from this notion that we need to be in control of his work through Christ. And so that is what we hear today in the gospel. These two disciples, in their midst of trying to figure out all of the current events, encounter Jesus himself on the road. But they did not recognize him. And you maybe thought that was a strange point in the story. In fact, Luke says they were kept from recognizing Jesus at first. And already you can see that it is the Holy Spirit who is in control. But Jesus meets them, feigns ignorance. What has happened? He asks them, tell me more. In order to draw out their confession. And this is what Christ is after. Not current events but a confession of faith and finally the promise of resurrection. And so they tell him all that had happened to him, of course, wondering who this country bumpkin was that didn't know any of the current events of Jerusalem. And they finally confess, but we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. But it's been three days since he was on the cross and 
We're not sure what to make of it all. We can't figure it out. But we had hoped, while these words might seem out of place, at least on the surface, for an Easter Sunday or even an Easter season, in fact, this is the perfect place for them because such a confession gets to the point of why we need Jesus Christ's death and resurrection in the first place. It is because we live lives of misplaced hope. Our hopes range from, well, money to recognition, from the knowing or sharing of right information, being correct in our opinions, to making peace in this world, at least our plan of peace. Our hopes range from perhaps just a good meal for the day to solving world hunger. And while these hopes themselves are not wrong, none of these things will bring the fulfillment we are looking for. Only Jesus Christ brings this fulfillment, this peace. But we had hoped, the disciples say. What is it that you have hoped for? What is it that you are still waiting for in hope? Well, I've been sharing with you uh, through much of my preaching some of the joys and struggles of moving our family here to Sioux Falls, particularly of my experience our experience of selling our house in Rochester and looking for one here. One of the questions that I hear most often is, have you found a place to live yet? <laughs> in fact, I've, I've heard from, from one friend, you know, you could have built a house by now. <laughs> and often my answer comes in the form of this, well, we had hoped to be settled by now, but it just hasn't happened yet. And I can tell you, by way of update, whether you want it or not, that we did make an offer on a house this past week which was accepted. And I'll say first off that it is a gift to be able to do this, to have a house, which I don't take lightly. But I will confess to you also that I was hoping that this would bring at least some piece of resolution. But the law in my conscience still asks, are you sure this is the one? <laughs> now, I'll also confess that I've been known to be prone to what's called analysis paralysis. So it goes with hopes and feelings often changing, often fleeting, moving targets of desire and unanswered questions of what is good enough. This is life in our old world. This is life, the life of a sinner. This is your life. It is my life. But I am here to tell you it is not so with Jesus Christ. This Jesus Christ whom you crucified, is the only one who is good enough. He is now your Lord and Messiah. In fact, this Jesus Christ is more than good enough. He is perfect. And now he makes you perfect too. He who was raised from the dead is the perfect giver of your faith, the perfect giver of the hope that does not disappoint, but fulfills all hope. On the road to Emmaus, Jesus taught the disciples that all of God's word from Moses, the lawgiver, to the prophets, who often pointed out what wasn't right, all of them are fulfilled now in Jesus Christ. And as he preached to them, those disciples of dashed hope, as he preached to them, they wanted more. They wanted him to stay longer. And they ate together, and just as they finally realized, thanks to the Holy Spirit, by the way, that this was in fact Jesus, he disappears. And... Strangely, they run back seven miles from Emmaus to Jerusalem to tell the disciples 
that their hopes in Christ were not in vain. And now Christ has come to be your hope this day, this third Sunday in Easter, to put an end to your misplaced hopes, to forgive your sins, and to raise you from the dead. As Peter writes, For you were ransomed from your futile ways, futile ways you inherited from your ancestors, not with perishable things like silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, through the living and enduring word of God. You may recognize these words from Luther's small catechism on the second article of the creed, that Christ has redeemed you not with silver or gold, but through his precious suffering and blood. In baptism, as we have just witnessed this morning, you are given this imperishable promise. In the Lord's Supper, you are given this precious blood of Christ. It is yours. And now you have this enduring word of God, a hope that does not disappoint Your hope is fulfilled for Christ has ransomed you from your futile ways. Amen.